0: It is the Full Tilt Podcast Network. This is the flagship program. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. This is episode 191. We are powered by Fantasy Points Media Group. We are presented also by Underdog Fantasy. Speaking of which, you can go to Fantasy Points right now, get the Super Early Bird special, get 30% off your 2023 subscription. You should be going and doing that right now, especially with Fantasy Points data releasing to the public this year. Things might look a little bit different to people right now. I mean, we do not have Billy. We do not have Jacob. But instead, we have two of my favorite people and two of the smartest and sharpest people on the Fantasy Streets. Joining us today, we obviously have Herms at Herms NFL uh, from Draft Sharks. He is a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association and host of the Lateral Podcast, and of course, we also have with us today Chase Vernon. He is a writer and uh, DFS podcaster extraordinaire at Player Profiler. Uh, He's also a podcaster and creator of Fantasy Intervention, and of course, the creator of the league-winning premier tool, the Dose Score. Shout out Herm's and Chase for joining us. I know people are fired up. I'm fired up. We have five hot topics. Uh, I'm ready to roll. How about you guys?
1: Let's do it, man. Let's get on to it.
0: Hell yeah. And, of course, if you missed the bonus 10 minutes, uh, 10, 13 minutes or so, if you're listening to this via podcast, you're going to want to go to YouTube, subscribe, get that bonus 10 minutes where we talked some user questions, some listener questions. Uh, you can get your questions in and get them answered on that program. If you're coming to this program looking for injuries, news, notes, that sort of thing, look, there's 672,421 podcasts, articles, uh, uh blurbs tweets uh, information with all you don't come here for that so we are not going to waste your time instead i want to get fired up right into these five very crucial and big time uh questions problems that people are asking themselves right now so i want to kick it off uh, last week we touched on what to do buy sell hold on the dynasty 101 and Right now, it kind of feels like the Dynasty Rookie 102 is a consolation prize, which seems so wild. The 2023 rookie class has been touted for years as being the elite of the elite class. Bijan Robinson has had people pining over him for quite a while, but it feels like the 102 is being looked down upon more the normal, you have options like Gibbs, Quorum, Addison, JSN, Bryce Young, C.D. Stroud, Quentin Johnson, and on. I'm going to start by asking Chase, do rebuilders just take the best player available uh, at this point? No,
1: no, if you're in a full rebuild, you, you most likely don't want to take that. But I mean, it really breaks it down to like, hey, format to quarterback, same quarterback, um, you know, what where your skill positions lie. Uh, typically, if you're a stronger player at the running back position, you have a weak wide receiver room, um, you want to try and move those uh, running backs you currently have on for younger wide receivers that have upside, and then you can end up taking running back to where their bell curve of production could actually coincide with each other. I think that the bigger thing that, that you kind of have to evaluate here, though, is uh landing spots and future projections because as we talk like you know situations change but over the next few months you're going to or i should say the next year maybe two years you're pretty much going to get stuck with with what you have so you know it, it could be a situation like deandre swift where you know we saw a potential breakout and now all of a sudden he's going into a better offense but that took four years to happen you know, at this point, his value could start deteriorating following 2022, 2023, um, just because, yeah, I mean, but the reality is, like, why? He's going into a better situation, a better offense. However, if I'm a rebuilding team, I want to make sure I sell that that player as soon as humanly possible uh, and try and grab a veteran wide receiver and draft a rookie running back because that puts me in a better position. But then we have to evaluate skill. We have to evaluate, you know, actual, like, talent, landing spot. Like, there's so many... Different things that go into this. So, if I'm going into an off season and my rookie draft is prior to, you know, the the uh the 2023 draft, and I want to try to lunatics. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and I want to try to figure out what to do with the 102 right now. I need to know. I'm holding on to it for as late as I possibly can. Because there's going to be a player that catches hype. There's going to be somebody that everybody loves. And outside of like probably the 106 to like 109 area in this draft, it was kind of similar. Like it's still a better draft than what 2021 was. But uh, like typically that's where you're going to start to see kind of a separation in value for what that pick is worth. It's definitely not going to happen at the 102 like we saw this past year. Um, So you're Mm -hmm. going to hold on to that pick until up to the draft. And then once that happens, you make your best educated decision whether that's moving back and trying to acquire more depth pieces uh, or taking that pick. But essentially you want to make sure that you have at least two probably good players at each position or at least running back and wide receiver that are backups along with at least probably two total good tight ends. If you're in single quarterback, two total good quarterbacks. If you're in double or if you're in super flex, three good quarterbacks. So you need to make sure that you actually have the depth in place to be able to, 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 take a player like this because if you don't have that depth in place then it's a wasted pick and you need to go ahead and trade back
0: 100 and i'm gonna piggyback off of that and ask herms the second question if the if the move would be to trade back as chase had suggested i want to ask you this this is a question that i have been asked uh in our discord which you can find a link to at the profile, and you can also find it at truenorthffb.com slash full tilt. Got to get the plugs in. Uh, What is the latest you would move back in the first round with a 24 first attached to it if somebody wanted to move up for a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud in a Superflex draft? How far back into the first round would you be willing to let go of those two elite quarterback prospects with a, let's say, mid to late 24 first added on and who would you be looking to take in the late first round with that pick?
2: I mean, like I really like the running back class a lot. And I think yeah. at a certain point we're gonna we're gonna get a better answer as to like who really separates themselves among, yep. you know, because once we get past B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, there is like a bit of a tier, and then the tier below that is even bigger, <laughs> but right. but there are still a lot of players in there that I think are interesting. Like Zach Charbonnet from UCLA is very interesting. Tank Bigsby is interesting. All sorts of guys. Better? Like, yeah. So it's like, I would be perfectly fine going as far back as you, you possibly can just because like, mm. it's going to be one of those things where it's like, it, it feels to me like a pick your poison type situation because like one of the interesting things about the NFL that also applies directly to dynasty is the fact that there is the talent cycle because of, you know, people aging out doing whatever, like we are like supposing that the talent cycle is like, you know, like a, a pancake that you're flipping or whatever, just like that, that pancake is almost done flipping to the other side. About to land back in the pan. You know, we're seeing those guys like Dalvin Cook's not getting any younger. Christian McCaffrey's not getting any younger. Derek Henry's going to be like what? 29 next year. Like, this is the wave, man. The new wave coming in as the other wave is, you know, crashing like this. Is, it's good. It's a good time to be cashing in on that. So because of how good the class is and how many quality running backs there are, like, I don't know that there's necessarily a bad answer to the question because like whoever doesn't get taken, you'll just be able to get your pick of the litter, see what falls to you. And I think you're going to be in sure. a good place because of that. So. I don't I don't really have much of a
1: preference because of how good the talent is.
0: Chase, are you raising your hand to speak? I
1: am. I am. I actually want to add terrible. to Herm's point. Uh you know, like we I'm can see I, I know well, I wanted to make sure because you know how Jacob gets right. He just he just it's goes full forward. I should have just taken oh, yeah. his role, but I, I wanted to be play with it. I mean, uh, to to Herm's point, like with these players that are fading out, like somebody's gonna have like Kamara on their bench right and they're gonna be sitting in like the 104. And we're going to see Bijan Robinson go. We're going to see CJ Stroud go. We're going to see um, uh, who's the other guy that I'm I'm drawing a blank on right now? Um, we're going to see Bryce Young go, and yeah. then we're gonna get, likely going to see Jamar Gibbs go. But then, like, we have guys like Will Levis who everybody freaking loves. Anthony Richardson, who could be like one of the biggest risers in the entire yes. fantasy or dynasty draft process. We could see him going from like a, a mid-second round right now all the way up to like a top five pick. And, and you're gonna be sitting there like the 106, and you're probably going to have a slew of options available. Like you you might even have Jamar Gibbs available at the 106 this year. It's possible if if the team needs a wide receiver, because you're gonna have teams that have guys like Alvin Kamara, who Herms mentioned, uh, you know, like the Aaron Jones, the Derek Henry, and they're gonna think, Man, I could probably get one more year out of this player and I'll draft the running back next year. So I'm gonna go ahead and try to fit in one of these uh elite quarter or these potential elite quarterbacks, and all of a sudden one of your guys could fall very similar to what happened with um with Williams you know Javante Williams a couple years ago where like we saw him falling because he landed with Denver all the way to seven and unfortunately the injury happened but he could be a top three dynasty running back right now if he didn't get injured before the season started it's in the realm of possibilities
0: he's still top five in most boards I mean when you look at his his, is I think the state of running back right now is as gross as it's been in a long time But what's in a worse state, I find this interesting, and I'll say why, uh, given your guys' answer to the first two parts of this, the Dynasty quarterback situation is the grossest it's been in a long time. A long time. Outside of the top, let's say say there's eight guys, and even Lance is kind of bordering on that, do you want to have this elite, is he an elite option at this point? We don't know. We don't know. So we're going to put him right at the edge. After all of that, it's like Geno Smith, Maybe Jared Goff and then a bunch of scraps, including the Mac Joneses. Like, I don't like pylon quarterbacks. I'm pretty open about that. But I find it interesting that uh, in the state of the dynasty quarterbacks that we're in, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are routinely just being mentioned as just trade back and get, you know, get as much value, get as much value. I'm more inclined to want to either draft one of these guys or I am not trading back in the same draft. I am going and getting one of the top. If I I'm going to have to add to it with 102. Sure. But I don't think there's been a time more so right now especially with Kyler Murray's injury. Oh my gosh, you can go and trade this 102 uh, 102 and like your second round pick and uh, uh let's say a decent throw in quarterback like a Jared Goff right now or a Geno Smith even and just go and get Kyler Murray. You can go and get Trevor Lawrence, who I prefer way over moving back and accumulating more draft capital, Um, which, again, questionable. Again, if you trade back and you draft Will Levis, we don't know what you're going to get. So I would be more inclined to go and take one of those top eight dynasty quarterbacks paying what I have to to go and get that while this pick is hot.
1: So I, I don't, I, I'm not disagreeing with that because I talked about it earlier. Like that would be somebody that, you know, I'd be trying to acquire as a top Donnie and I don't think the quarterback position is as gross as what we think it is. Just oh, in comparison to how bad of a year it was. I mean, people were trading for Derek Carr last year, you know, before the season started or the year before that they're trading for Matthew Stafford. They're trading for a lot of guys that that are dealing with injuries, dealing with coaching changes, uh, dealing with, with terrible situations and i don't think we've seen that before as much in comparison with or in combination with excuse me the elevation of the elite level quarterbacks like we've never seen fantasy numbers it, consistently as we have from guys like Patrick Mahomes from Josh Allen um from some of these other uh, elite level quarterbacks in in fantasy like oh my god Jalen Hurts has been a monster i mean Justin mm-hmm. Fields has been a monster and we just haven't seen this many elite level quarterbacks do it that have separated themselves normally it's like one league winner every year right like we'll see the aaron Rodgers be a league winner one year we'll see the tom brady be a league winner and, and they'll separate themselves this year there's a, such a tier gap between like the top five and then you, you see kind of like hermes was talking about earlier how the running backs position kind of goes down a little bit with the second tier and then after that there's a massive like fall off but that's just because a lot of the starting quarterbacks have gotten hurt or they're dealing with coaching changes, or they're dealing with mm-hmm. losing their wide receivers, or they're dealing with just something that we haven't seen in the past. I don't think that's going to affect dynasty rosters as much in the upcoming future. So, like when it comes to getting, you know, guys like the Daniel Jones, you know, those type of players, I'm I'm all for trying to acquire those lower end guys to kind of close that tier gap versus just trying to sell what I can to get an elite level guy if I already have an elite level guy. If you don't have an elite-level guy, then you should be drafting a quarterback at the 101 instead of B. John Robinson, to be honest.
0: Sure, and I I agree with that to an extent. But if you really sit down and look at, let's say, there are 12 teams in the NFL, possibly, that are currently happy as fuck with their quarterback situation. And I mean 12 is almost being generous. I think you see a lot of teams There's Derek Carr could move. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could potentially retire. What's Tom Brady doing? and those guys haven't even been great in fantasy necessarily for this year for whatever reason. There's a whole bunch of other guys. Jared Goff could get replaced. We don't know what's going on in Atlanta. We like there are so many teams that could be shuffling the quarterback scenario. Even in New York, there's no guarantee Daniel Jones is their guy moving forward. I think that there's just such a shuffle right now in in dynasty for quarterbacks. I think there is a big weird revolving chair situation uh potentially for this year that I would I, I would prefer dangling this pick to go and get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson while his values down, Kyler Murray while his values down, etc etc than to to fiddle with the potential of the dynasty QB situation kind of figuring itself out. That scares the crap out of me, uh personally. Um, but great. Uh we have we have a couple questions from um, well, a question from Jane, what's your thought on Quentin Johnson versus Addison Herms? I saw your reaction when I mentioned Addison, I'll ask you first. uh, What are your thoughts on Quentin Johnson versus Addison?
2: Well, Jordan Addison, shout out Frederick, Maryland, you know, you know, where all the the cool people are from, you (laughs) (laughs) you know, obviously Jordan Addison's the best. He went to high school where, you know, down the street from where I get Taco Bell. So He's, he's the best for that reason and that reason alone. No, but, but seriously, though, like, I – he's a small dude, but I am just endlessly impressed by his ability to get open and just do – he's so much fun. He's so much and, – and Quentin Joss is cool, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, big dude. I, Night and day difference when we're talking about these two guys. I mean, like, they're completely different types of receivers, but, like, I don't know. I'm too biased to answer the question. Well, shout out Frederick, Maryland. Shout out Jordan Addison. There
1: you go. That's my
0: take. There you you go, Jamie. There you go. Uh, Chase, how about you?
1: So, I don't do too much research on the wide receivers while in season, right? I don't want to get biased on on the wide receiver position. Plus, I don't watch a lot of college football until after the season. I I mean, no, it is what it is. Like, you can be a fan of a player. That's awesome. But for me, like, I like to sit back after all the games are done And I like to go through the film and I like to watch the film. And then I also like to take the analytics of things, the the early breakouts, um, the spark scores, all that other stuff. And I like to compare and say, hey, is this what I saw when I was watching the film? And if not, why did that happen? And the biggest thing that I've come to kind of see is like the level of talent on defense that a lot of teams end up facing. So you'll see stats just blown up for a certain player, you know, just because they ended up facing lesser talents in certain situations. Now, you know, that remains to be seen. That's something that I like to save for after the season, which is why I don't like to give my takes, especially on wide receivers. Running backs, I'll give my take to an extent, but I like to do the same thing for running back. Quarterback, I'm not a quarterback guru, so I typically rely on what other people are telling me um, in terms of like, hey, like this guy gets it or not. Um, And then tight end is kind of like a crapshoot. Just depends on really where they Mm -hmm. land for that. But for wide receiver in particular, I like to see if their stats, you know, measure up with their analytics, with their metrics, and I'll make a decision on that point. So I, I can't wait to see Addison. Uh, we haven't seen too many six-four guys making the NFL lately. Uh, you know that could change with Quentin Johnson. So kind of that's something I'm looking for. Yeah, it's I mean, kind
0: of, it's kind of a throwback.
1: There's been throwbacks in the NFL, and those players just haven't made it uh, thus far, mm-hmm. outside of Colin Johnson before he, you know, tore his so, you know? so- ACL. <laughs> you would find a
0: way. You would find a way to bring Colin Johnson into this. It's just, I, I can't even listen to you. Look, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. That was uh, what to do with the one Oh two and how to value it. And we come back, we're going to talk about the Ram versus Swift for 2023. Uh, We asked this question in the full tilt dynasty discord. And let me tell you, the conversation was out of this world, but here's a clip from a previous episode of full tilt dynasty podcast. Hope you enjoy it. We come back Ramondre Swift. Uh, Ramondre swift ronnie stevenson versus deandre swift for 2023 enjoy the tennessee titans that fired john robinson uh after getting absolutely dog walked by the player that he traded <laughs> um yeah. yeah got absolutely dog walked by him and this might come as a surprise but i feel like since 2016 his drafts have been very uh hit or miss and more miss than hit they can only ride derrick henry to so many wins i find it hard to think that this should come as an absolute surprise and it's not a surprise when they got absolutely fucking dog walked by the player they let go Traylon burks has been great Traylon burks foot has been very good as a rookie i think paying derrick henry ultimately sealed his fate because that's why they had to let aj brown walk Yeah, letting A.J. Brown walk is 100% what cost him the job, especially uh, after he absolutely stiff-arms the DB into the dirt to score uh, a touchdown. It's just unbelievable. What up, Kyle? Uh, Welcome in there. Cleveland Connoisseur in the comments. Uh, (laughs) Shout-out to Jamie. Look, we asked this question, as I mentioned before, in the Full Tilt Discord, and it it really brought to my attention how – how high Ramondre Stevenson is getting. So before we get into it, let's just list some things off. Cause I'd like to do a little comparison uh, for their career highs. As of right now, Deandre Swift's career high in receptions is 62, that was in 13 games to date right now. Ramondre Stevenson has 58 receptions career high for DeAndre Swift in rushing attempts is 151. Uh, Ramondre right now has 164. Their points per game, the career high in the big DeAndre Swift breakout year was 16.1. Ramondre Stevenson right now, 15.4 points per game. Their positional ADP, from October 2022 to December 22 in order. So October, November, December. Get this. This blew my mind. DeAndre Swift was the RB2, then the RB8, and as of December right now, according to DLF, the RB9. Ramondre Stevenson, 23, 12, and 10. Uh, It is – the gap is closing. Some recency bias, some injury notes, some maybe questions about DeAndre Swift's toughness from his own running back coach – the consistent need to deploy another back, including uh, I believe it's Justin Jackson right now, uh, three-headed monster in Detroit. I ask on to you, DeAndre Swift or Ramondre Stevenson, I'm asking you to plant your flag right now in front of the Full Tilt audience. Would you rather have, because the cost is the same at this point, Stevenson or Swift for 2023? I will ask Herms first. Just a loaded question.
2: I mean, like, they each kind of have weird, quirky things working against them, but those weird, quirky things are much bigger for DeAndre Swift, and they're kind of just, like, little minor details for Ramondre Stevenson. So, like, right off the bat on that alone, you take Ramondre Stevenson. And then, like, everything you said about, you know, possibly, you know, the questions about his toughness, whatever, with DeAndre Swift. Like, that also kind of rolls over into injury stuff. And then also the fact that, you know, the offensive coordinator there, like, credit where credit's due, in addition to what the front office has done. I mean, they, they've really added a lot of talent to that offense to kind of change the identity of what they do. So, mm. like, it works for them. There's really no reason for them to stop, you know, going with this huge kind of committee attack monster with it. So, like... I don't, like, I'm don't. i not saying like Swift's future is just like completely told it's already over. Like we, like it's, it's toast. He's never going to be like the alpha dog, whatever you want to call him. But like, <laughs> it's just, I don't see why they would try to fix something that ain't broke there for their real life offense. But, like Stevenson being as young as he is. And the fact that the interesting thing was how much they trusted him with receiving work which is something that we not necessarily expected. It was something that when I was looking into him as a prospect, I was like, okay, he's better at this than I thought he was, but I would not mm-hmm. necessarily call this guy like, you know, this like gifted natural receiver out of the backfield. But like the fact right. that they're letting him do that as much as they do is a great sign and even though somebody like a Pierre Strong or you know Kevin Harris or something could possibly take some of that away next season when Deont uh, no, uh, Damian Harris leaves in free agency because he's he's definitely not coming back the patriots never like barely ever bring back running backs after their rookie deal it, stevenson's got a lot of this to himself and unless the patriots go gung ho and flipping the wide receiver room to really help mac jones a lot more is going to funnel through him than will funnel through just Swift in his offense. So you put all of that together, you spit it out, and the answer has to be Ramondre Stevenson.
0: I like the I like the absolute conviction you have. I found myself in the situation where last year I had in a couple Twitter arguments, and I want to actually shout out Mike at Dynasty Zoltan. He was the first one, or uh, I think it's yeah, Zoltan himself, Mr. Mike, one of the best Dynasty players that I've ever played with and against. He, uh, he was the first one that really brought Reminder Stevenson to my attention. My argument always was, will they let him catch the ball? Because he had the, the bell cow build. He's got breakaway speed, which we're really seeing this year. And I understand the, the injury. Also, injury prone. Guys, there's no such thing as an injury, injury prone running back. No such thing. They're all just running backs who will at some point get injured. Like, that's it. You draft a running back, it's up to you how high your risk tolerance is for how high you draft them and if you can sustain the loss. That's it. They both have had some injuries. They both struggle. But one guy looks like he's the opportunity to be the bell cow, and one guy doesn't. And I wasn't expecting the guy that doesn't to be DeAndre Swift. His efficiency metrics running the ball, not very good. And he's not even getting all the passing game work. And I understand he's hurt. But this was still a problem last year with Jamal Williams. So, Chase, I I ask on to you, Uh, DeAndre Swift over Mondre Stevenson right now for 2023.
1: So there's a narrative that I will tell myself, and I will continue to probably screw myself in fantasy for this.
0: They're going to do the New England Patriots backfield thing.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Well, I mean, that's still part, like, that's a, a small factor. Like Herms brought up there's certain small factors and like, that will always be a factor. Like I don't think Ramondre Stevenson is going to see 10 targets a game in 2022 or 2023. Yeah. Like there's no way that he's, I, hold on. I, I had his numbers up here just cause I wanted to make sure I, I got them right. Um, like he saw a ridiculous amount of targets um, over the past few games. Like, uh, well, three,
0: three, and then he had two blowups, eight and ten, then six, seven, and then eight eight, five. Yeah, two, but we, five, we would never. S-
1: yeah, but all right. So once he took over like the snaps year after Damian Harris got hurt, it was eight, seven, seven, six. Uh, I think the sixth game was the game that Damian Harris came back. Which, by the way, Damian Harris isn't a pass catcher either. It's just that he saw all the snaps and he saw more opportunities, there so he's running more routes.
0: Where, there was also a time where Damian Harris was running more routes than Remindery Stevens, but Remindery Stevens was still he's getting now, targets.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it really weird. It's still 10 targets, 7 targets. Like, that's not going to repeat itself uh, once they get a pass catching back, which they will do. But um, Also, this offense mm-hmm. is going to change because offense has been hoarded There's no way the New England Patriots run back the same offense that they do in 2023. But that's not really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about DeAndre Swift um, because DeAndre Swift is in a very unique situation where teams don't stack the box whenever he's in the game. So it limits his ability to break off big runs. And something that we saw from DeAndre Swift, especially, uh, I believe it's Georgia, right? Um, the, the thing that we saw from DeAndre Swift was his ability to break 15 to 20-yard runs and find open space, you know, create misses with defenders. Well, the Lions like to pass. And whenever Jamal Williams is in the game, they, they will stack the box to an extent. Defenses will stack the box up against it because they know that Jamal Williams isn't going to end up going out for a reception. So they can stack, blitz the, uh, the edge rusher off that would normally spy mm. the running back. Now we have DeAndre Swift who doesn't get a stacked box, but he will see over the edge defenders in the box. So it's going to be slightly more, but it's not going to be considered a stacked box, which for me is eight or more. Um, For me... I think that DeAndre Swift will see even less of a stacked box next year, but not the defenders that would come off the edge to stop the rush if he does end up rushing and not the man spy anymore because they're going to end up adding probably another wide receiver to this. Um, you know, Jared Goff is is ascending as a quarterback right now, and he's developing. Um, you know, he doesn't have daddy to oversee him in McVeigh. is do if, if I'd call him developing. Him. I, I think he's developing. It's like a stud to me. Um, and then, I, I mean, who over okay fine at home wherever it is Thomas he's still so you, get, a you,
0: you get half good games from the offense but I'm just saying I'm just
1: I think I'm McVay kidding. stunts growth as a quarterbacks coach to be honest I think that he's very good at getting young quarterbacks adjusted but I think he stunts the growth of the quarterback in terms of being able to develop by themselves and we're starting to see it in Jared Goff anyways uh the Lions have a great offensive line they're gonna bring receivers in so if they decide to defend up against the pass, which we know the Lions want to pass. Jamal Williams ends up moving on. They could bring in another running back, sure. But I think that we see an increased efficiency on the ground for DeAndre Swift. Meanwhile, in the receiving game, we've seen him be, be an asset, especially when it comes to like the fourth quarter, when they actually need to close out the game. He's been in the game. He's been there. They're just making sure that he's up to par. He's, he's strong, he's healthy, and he's ready to rock and roll, which is why we haven't seen the volume uh, that we've needed to see. I think this next few weeks is going to determine – the value for me moving forward in Dynasty. If Swift seizes a serious role as they go to close up the season and make the playoffs, I think that they're going to believe in Swift in the future, and I'm going to roll with Swift. all right? Mm-hmm. Because he has tremendously more upside, in my opinion, than Ramondre Stevenson, who, once again, we brought up earlier, has the running back by committee type thing. Probably won't see the, the amount of targets that he's seen over that stretch that he saw them in. Um, you know, as they, they continue to uh rut this offense <laughs> along with Matt Jones I-, I want the team with the better offense which I think is the Lions um I want the guy who will see a primary role which I think is DeAndre Swift um and right now if I was a going to bet on it I would take Ramondre Stevenson because I think he has a more likely outcome of doing so because like Herm said They're doing it. They have it all. But if I'm playing fantasy football, dynasty fantasy football, and I need to go for a championship, I need to go for a win. I'm going to take the guy with the higher upside, which I think is DeAndre Swift moving forward. He's my guy.
0: I'm just going to push back on that. So uh, I guess when I look these stats up, everything wasn't updated yet. It happens. Give me a break. If the argument is who has the higher upside, some people would argue that DeAndre Swift's sophomore season was why he was. why? 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 Why does my Eastern accent come out? For no reason. Why is it at his his breakout was 16.1 points per game, right? He was the RB8. I don't understand where the upside being that much higher when Ramondre Stevenson's <clears throat> points per game right now is 16.1, and he's already surpassed DeAndre Swift high in receptions. I understand that Ramondre Stevenson quite possibly could lose this unbelievable bell cow workload. I get it. But he's very much established as being more than an LDD, the long down and distance running back and deployable in more. If you look at his route trees he is more deployed. He's deployed as more than the dump off check down running back. They're running him on legitimate receiving routes and is a legitimate threat. Just like Mr. Deandre Swift, not saying he's as good at it. We are projecting that Swift's stuff is going to vastly improve, bringing him back up compared to a completely built-in safeguard of a three-down running back uh, for a team that does not invest at that position until they've run their current rookie contract into the fucking ground. So I personally, I'm going to lean Ramondre Stevenson. However, the argument will always be at cost. Right now, their cost is pretty much the same. But at this point, I can see a world where Ramondre Stevenson is shooting up into top eight territory in ADP, especially with the finish of the year. So phenomenal. I absolutely love it. Uh, that was DeAndre Swift versus Ramondre Stevenson. we're going to take a quick, uh, it looks like we're gonna take a quick eight second break. This is an eight second break. And we come back. We're going to ask is Cooper cup, a wide receiver one by low chase. You're shaking your head.
1: How are you going to push back without giving me like any kind of, of object? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't forget the Patriots, by the way, the past three or four years have drafted a running back in the top Eight. four rounds right so mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about a, a position where hey the lions don't actually invest in the position and he could see you know the sole amount of work in combination with like i said it, it has more to do with like the efficiency and i, I don't hate Ramondre stevenson i'm very close to yandre swift in terms of dynasty rankings but i don't think there's a question as to which guy could actually see the higher workload in 20 uh 2023
0: Ronda Stevenson is absolutely dummying DeAndre Swift's career high in workload in his sophomore. He's already doing it. He's already done it. That's he's already, already yeeted. The whole running
1: back room is hurt over there for New England.
0: But even when Damian Harris has come back, Stevenson was still their bow gal. Like, he's still done. He passed him when he was healthy, and then I he's maintained it. it. So I'm just saying that we're projecting a lot with DeAndre Swift, and we're all – I'm willing to say right now that when people drafted DeAndre Swift – the season we're getting out of Ramondre Stevenson is what we hoped for from oh. DeAndre Swift. Oh, he's getting stop. he's getting he's getting the early oh, down hard, work, early. he's getting the goal down work, and he's already again surpassed DeAndre Swift career high in receptions. I think I think that's it. And that's a done deal. He's had
1: four rushing touchdowns.
0: Who cares? He's still getting the work.
1: Oh God.
0: Like, come on now. I mean, it just that's he's just only efficient is.
1: when he sees like Herms like, like 50 plus carries.
0: I don't care about efficiency. I care about the work. And he's still putting up if you want to you want to talk uh, hey in the Twitter streets, yards per carry matter. Ramon Stevenson has a five yard per carry. Right
1: yeah, now. that's because he has so like three games case. where he carried for nine.
0: <laughs> still happened. Wins a win. Wins a win. That's what matters. Wins a win. Upside, I just don't see oh my gosh, Herms. Uh, <laughs> Someone falls through the roof?
1: He's 22nd oh in red zone touches. So I don't even know what you're talking about over here. Like, this yeah, offense could very well get worse.
0: I don't see a world where the Patriots offense gets worse.
1: <laughs> i 22nd like, red zone touches, and, Thomas. 22nd.
0: So if – so, okay, because I'm looking at the time here, right? And I don't want this to go two so, hours uh, today. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. No, it's fine. It's totally fine.
1: I was having if, fun with you.
0: I was if, to the, fun. if the option is Ramondre Stevenson – the Lions offense has gotten better and that's improved DeAndre Swift's situation, like you said, then why in the world aren't we looking at a player like Ramondre Stevenson, who's already the bell cow, who's already proven he can do it and withstands sans an ankle injury where he got rolled up on uh, that this offense getting better also doesn't help him. And his efficiency, like you're you're expecting what them to sign, bring in like another James White to take over. He's already secured that role. He can pass protect. He he's the Nothing LDP. Is he's Nothing okay. is secure in New England. Oh, that's <laughs> enough, Eddie. We're gonna take a quick eight second break. We come back. We're gonna ask Cooper Cup as a wide receiver one. That is a buy low. Sit tight. As I previously mentioned, the Los Angeles Rams could potentially have some questions at quarterback. Is Baker Mayfield going to be a guy that um, looks like he wants to murder us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like, hey, hey, people have you know the old RBF sometimes it happens. He's he's doing his thing. He's vibing. We love it. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford. Could he be retiring? I know we mentioned today that he's unequivocally not retiring. Uh, I don't believe all of that. And besides, he is kind of getting old busty and dusty with the arm cooper cup right now is wide receiver 15 currently being drafted according to the dlf by position uh we have questions about stafford if it's baker does it get worse uh he's he's getting up there in age as well and we all know age is the one thing dynasty managers fear more than anything else so i ask on to you chase i will start with you this time is Cooper Cup a legitimate? A leg, oh my gosh, a legitimate wide receiver one that you can actively and actually buy low on today. And would you?
1: I wouldn't buy low on him. I mean, I don't. First off, I don't think he's a buy low necessarily. Like, what are you going to get for him? But I mean, by the time the season starts, he's a thirty-year wide receiver. We've seen what happens when players with injuries, such as Cooper Cup, has had his whole career. By the way, um, you know whether it's nagging injuries or injuries that take him out for an entire year. Um, you know, we've seen what this does. Meanwhile, he's a guy who was unathletic coming into college. He doesn't have those natural genes. He's worked his ass off to get to where he is. And I love Cooper Cup as a player. I always have. But when it comes to a fantasy asset, that's not a guy that you want to acquire. A guy that's had injury history his entire career. A guy that's not athletic coming out of college. He ended up having to work to get to where he's at right now. A guy that uh, relies on volume and quarterback to, to finish as high as he did last year. I mean, honestly, like he was a sell after me last year when he was still getting drafted as like a top two wide receiver. I, I don't want anything to do with him at this point because of his price value. Because, like, don't forget, this guy won people fantasy championships last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like he won people fit fa- these people that have Cooper Cup currently are attached to him. Like it's crazy. Like you, he could end up missing the next three season it'll, seasons and he'll probably still be on that person's roster who he won a fantasy fantasy championship for. So I mean, Herms, real quick, I'm gonna go to you, like what do you think it would cost you if i if you had cooper cup and you won a fantasy championship with them like what would i have to pay maybe not like you personally but if you were a a normal fantasy manager like what would i have to pay you in order to get cooper cup like two first round picks maybe a two first and a second i think it would cost that and even then it would have to be one early first one of them would have to be early
2: I mean, like, so the two types of cup managers that kind of popped to my mind are like the ones that you described, and then the ones that are so blown by the situation that they're just frustrated by everything, and they're like, "I don't oh, care yeah, anymore. Yeah. Just take them away. It yeah. hurts too much." Because, <laughs> like, like that happens like every league. There's like that that there's like one or two dudes or dudettes, whoever you know, non-binary, whatever, How, however you identify, like, just that are just <laughs> like, like, like I'm so blown over how this season has gone for me everything fell apart shit oh i gotta rebuild and then like because like once those people like make those decisions in their mind you know like that's when a good time to strike is so like i think that those people that have cup on their team exist but if we're talking about the people that you're talking about which again still very real people that are just going to hold on to that It'll probably be a little pricey and it's just not going to be worth it, you know, but I mean, I've got some other thoughts, but I'll toss it back to you since you asked me the things.
1: No, 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 that's perfect. Like, uh, so like Antonio Brown, though, like uh, let's make this conversation. Antonio Brown did the same thing to fantasy managers a few years ago and you never saw relevant fantasy season back from from Cooper or from Antonio Brown again after he ended up missing like that little stretch of, I don't remember was that the concussion year or whatever it was uh, anyways I was one of the teams that traded for him and I held on to Antonio Brown up until like 2021 the end of that season uh you know and, and didn't end up seeing any kind of value recoup from that but I don't think there's too many fantasy managers that would sell him for for less than two seconds like even if he did screw up their season and ever two, two 22 23 first round picks Uh, I just don't see that happening in too many different scenarios just because he did do so much for him at the time. And they're probably thinking they could still get somebody to bite on that. Um, They just need him to be healthy first, right? They need him to get back healthy and then he'll end up performing and then they'll sell him right before the playoffs next year. Right at the trade deadline, they'll move him for 222 uh, or 223 first round picks, excuse me. And one of them is going to have to be early. Like I just uh, correct me if I'm wrong once again, like or maybe you like tell me what you would sell him for personally. If you had him on your roster.
2: Um, I'm not sure if I could do it, you know, just get... I'm of the mindset that, like, regardless of how awful that situation is in Los Angeles, it is because that situation is so bad that I'm fine with Cooper Cup because until they find a way to figure it out with the little draft capital and financial resources they have, where else is the ball gonna go to? No matter yes. who the quarterback is, it's just like it's going to Cooper Cup for the next however many years. So because of that, I'm not as afraid of him for the at least the relative immediate future, quote unquote. So like I, I'm
1: that's probably I'm not moving him. Like yeah, that's it, what it's, I'm saying. Like there's only yeah. one type of person, and they're either believe in the situation. Or they don't. There's very few people that are going to sell them for less than two. Uh, 23 1st round picks, in my opinion, Kyle. Like if you're in both archetypes, let me know what you would sum for real quick. I see you in the comments. Like sure. let me know what you would sum for just because I'm very curious here.
0: So with Cooper cup, uh, while Kyle uh, is is reprising his answer, He's still the wide receiver 14 on the year. We're not talking about a guy who's like kind of good. He did not tear his yeah. ACL. He didn't tear a hamstring. He got an ankle injury because an absolutely astastic quarterback couldn't throw him the ball on the sideline, and then this astastic coach had him out there run blocking at the end of the game. Before that, he had an ankle injury. He was still quite possibly the most dominant fantasy football receiver with a quarterback who had a baseball player's elbow injury. There were still factors holding back, especially with how bad that team was. Cooper cup was not, he's not 35. He's not uh, too old Herms. Go ahead.
2: Also mind you, if they weren't a dumpster fire, Cooper cup probably would have already come back.
0: Correct. Right. We absolutely could possibly see a situation where Cooper cup comes back. So he's still, one of the most dominant players, uh, at his position. And the reason I ask if he is a buy low before I get to Kyle's uh, statement right now, these are some of the players. If you head over to our friends over there, at, uh, KTC keep trade cut uh, that have him ranked at wide receiver 17. Let's have a look at some of the players that are sitting there around him right now. These are players that you probably only have to add a very small piece to, to move up from. Okay. George Pickens,
1: Christian oh, no. Watson,
0: Traylon Burks, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, DJ Moore. All players I would add something on to, to go and get Cooper Cup. One like very, very quickly. The, none of those upsides even match the I, I don't understand that at all. Of Cooper Cup.
1: Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Um obviously it has to do with your competing team, but like I mean, there's I have Cooper Cup as my wide receiver twenty one. I might, I'd rather take Rashad Bateman over him. I'd probably take oh. Tamron, <laughs> I'd take Marquise Brown, I'd take Devonta Adams, I'd take Amon Ross. I mean, well, Cooper, the- Cup, Cooper Cup hasn't been healthy. Like I don't understand like why he had one good season. He had two good seasons his entire career that were fantasy relevant. Uh, One that he was like a, wi- a back-end wide receiver two. The, the other one was, I think, a high-end wide receiver two, and then he was wide receiver one. He's had a few uh, good wide years. Wide
0: receiver 24, wide receiver so five. was also on pace again in 2020 before, uh, well, that was Jared Goff's down year 2020, where he was wide receiver 26, but healthy, played in 15 games, then the wide receiver one, and then was on pace to be the wide receiver one again. He was just a late start.
2: And then by that logic, Rashad Bateman is just Cooper Cup who hasn't done it yet.
0: He's he's never going to come close to Cooper. Like, I'm sorry, but Rashad Bateman will never come remotely close to Cooper Cup's high-end upside it's never going to happen i'm sorry he's not nowhere near going to get the volume unless he's playing on another team so i think i think that's kind of crazy and now i'm going to go and look to see if you have cup somewhere and and i'm sitting there with like rashad bateman uh kyle's response i would take a singular first for cup in the league with the with the expensive contract maybe even just straight up for a good player on a cheap contract i i just i think that's too low uh, he's probably not for sale in the other league uh, with the cheap contract. I mean, that's fair. Fair. Um, but look. Yeah, I are... just
1: want a 30-year-old wide receiver on my roster with depreciated value. There's a the bigger chance that Rashad Bateman increases in value at the end of 2023 than Cooper Cup does. Cooper Cup will just appreciate. So but I'd much rather have a guy who appreciates in value.
0: So we're talking about the potential wide receiver 17 in a startup draft. So if you think of how many rounds down that is. Right. If you're talking about let's say let's say 20 running backs go, you have 14 quarterbacks that go, and you're talking about the 17th wide receiver, you're looking at a a sixth round, seventh round startup pick, Cooper Cup, who's quite possibly your second or third wide receiver. When you look at it within that landscape, you should absolutely be buying on that. Absolutely, I would rather have round six, round seven, Cooper Cup than round ten. No, that's like round three around four
1: Easy. well in superflex i guess that's yeah around five probably. exactly
0: yeah I, five six still, i'd rather have that. i don't want a 30-year-old wide receiver on my, my
1: dynasty roster i don't care if it helps my team this year unless i'm going for the win itself but i don't want to pay a first round pick for that Oof. unless it's a late first. i would pay a late first in this year but there's just too many running backs anyways <laughs> that's interesting. i don't want it i personally don't want to cup on my roster
0: This is one of those things why I'm very much happy having very different people on this show than I, than Billy, than Jacob, uh, because I I could not disagree with Chase Moore on this. Look, all this talk of please get Drake London a quarterback. Uh, It's all the Dynasty Streets have been praying for. Well, they gave him a new quarterback, and it was Desmond Ritter. And let me tell you, I'm going to rattle off some things here. There was some positives. There was some sneaky positives, and there was some outright uh, absolute a uh, uh, terrible make me want to scratch my eyes out. If I'm being perfectly like trying to throw the ball away on the sidelines and getting picked off is the fastest way to make me just change the game. However, we're going to get into some of the good. He was 13 to 26. Wait, that's 50%. Sorry,
1: I missed this. Were we talking about Nelson Aguilar or Go no? No, away. I'm sorry. Cut Myers. Jacob Myers. Which Cut Myers, right?
0: All right. He Jacoby Myers might have completed the best pass of the weekend. If I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest with you, just not in the fashion that he wanted to. What an absolutely. Dumbass play. Uh, look, he was 13 to 26 six notes. I'm oh my
1: kidding. gosh, <laughs> 13 to 26, 50
0: percent. Uh, he had a 43.1 uh, passing grade at PFF. That's not great. He had a 55.9 run grade, which is not as good as you would hope. However, his A dot was promising at 9.4. Uh, Look, he was 0 for 3 on his targets of 20 or more yards. He was 3 of 8 between 10 and 20. He was 5 of 8 between 0 and 10. And, of course, he was 5 for 5 at the line of scrimmage. Very good passing the ball at the line of scrimmage was Desmond Ritter. Uh, He was better under pressure than not with his 62.1 passing grade under pressure. Uh, He was not not very good on play action at 30.1. And just dropping back, surprisingly, 63 Point six. Let's also not forget, as much as I said that he was terrible uh, as I led into this, he was driving the Falcons down the field to tie the game before Drake London fumbled the football. Uh, There was potential for that game to actively come back, which is one of the things that you want to see from a rookie debuting in that scenario. So I ask on to you, Herms. Was Desmond Ritter worth the wait and what you expected in a, in a mid to late second round rookie pick in your dynasty drafts.
2: Worth the wait relative to what you invested. Sure. But from like outside of that perspective, I was not one of the people personally, like anxiously waiting to see Desmond Ritter. I mean, like, (laughs) <laughs> and, right off the bat though, before I even say anything else about that, the important thing to remember, and we kind of spoke a little bit about it like earlier, the NFL is not always super great at identifying quarterback talent. And we are even worse at it. So yeah. like, it, like I, I could easily be wrong just as it happens, but to that end, Ritter, like, I, he, he seemed fine in in college, and then a lot of those same traits kind of flashed up in this game that we saw, and it was like that was fine, cool. But as far as like, oh, this solves the problem that they have going on there, I don't know if that's the case, you know. And the other difficult thing to say about that is that we're trying to evaluate this in a world where we don't see Kyle Pitts on the field at the same time. I think when we get to see, if we get to see, I mean, who knows what they do in the off season. Maybe they just don't stick with him. And, you know, he plays for a few more games and they're like, nah, screw it. Let's try something else. But let's say for all intents and purposes, they do stick with Desmond Ritter next year. We still have him yet to see operate with the full, you know, compliments of, you know, the best weapons they have to offer him at his disposal. So like I would just give that an incomplete grade. In the grand scheme of things, in the short term, relative to what you were saying about where he took him in drafts, all that stuff, like yeah, we're at the way because now that he's seen the field, you know, we talk about this in dynasty all the time. Like even if you're not sold on a quarterback, the minute they see the field and they're you know out there being the starter, that's flip time, baby. If you're not here Mm. for the long term vibe, like you get that payoff at a minimum if that's something you want to do with Desmond Ritter on your team. So from those angles like sure yeah but like long term i I don't know yet
0: yeah that's fair and look there were some situations he ran straight into the ass end of his offensive line on more than one occasion he looked completely lost in others but i'm willing to say that arthur smith isn't exactly out there helping him and based on the stories of mariota you know there were rumors that he you know he packed his bags and took off and then there was oh no he he actually is. He's having knee surgery. We don't know, but there are some rumblings that Ritter wasn't or uh, Mariota wasn't exactly uh, you know doing what he can to help him like he's supposed to. I mean, we heard the same thing with Tan Hill, Malik Willis. Uh, so we don't know what's going on in that situation. Chase, uh, when it comes to uh, worth the weight. Let's talk about what he did for Drake London, because we have been waiting uh, for Drake London to get any help. He had 11 targets, 7 receptions. He totaled uh, 70 yards. That was his second most catches in one game. Second, uh, His second most single-game receive uh, targets. Um, is Ritter the rest of the season going to close the very small buying window for Drake London moving forward? Does Ritter provide that?
1: I mean – yeah, Ritter provides that because he's going to be terrible. So he's going to decrease the value. And then when they draft a quarterback in the first round, they'll be able to, to replace this. It's so funny because, like, people are trying to create this, uh, this, like, persona that, and, and Thomas, you brought it up. You said it, like, I've seen it all over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He did not lead them on a drive. Like, he was on his way. game. The running game accounted for over 50% of the yards. Like he, Desmond Ritter completed two passes. Hey, <laughs> But he was he on the field. field.
0: He was driving he was him He completed two training. passes. Hey, remember. Wins he had are more incompletions.
1: He, he, I think he had more incompletions. Yeah, actually completions on that drive. Um, no, I mean, it's terrible. Like, Desmond Ritter is not good. He hasn't been good. He's not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Sure, he can run, and he fits the system that they want to run. So he's going to make a great backup quarterback to whoever they draft, you know, in, in 2023, that's going to be great. Um, but between now and then, yeah, sure. You could hyper target Drake London, but uh, if anybody's looking at that seriously, uh, dude, like you shouldn't be <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it, it's all going to be relying on, on what happens here for the future the Titans. Now where I do like Drake London is the fact that the uh, theory behind the Tennessee offense it relies on the running game, which they've shown they're actually one of the best running teams like her. when you brought up earlier, about the landing spot for um, who was it, John Robinson, being the Falcons. That's actually a great situation. I actually really love that uh, situation just because they're so good at run blocking. They're abysmal at, at pass blocking, but it's because of the wide zone run scheme uh, that they run over there that they brought over from the Titans. So uh, did you say Titans first or the we... Tom? I said Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas said Titans and you said yeah, Falcons. The only difference is. For me, the only difference is, is like it's going to take longer. It actually might take the same amount of time because they still have to bring in guys to make the Atlanta Falcons offense be able to operate. Meanwhile, it's there for for Tennessee, but you're going to have to wait till Derrick Henry leaves the building. So right. either way, like you're going to have some time to develop. But I mean, this is a good uh, system for Bijan to fit in. Keep in mind, the system only allows for one wide receiver. Typically, they don't pay that one wide receiver. They they let them be rookies on the rookie contract, and then they end up moving on. And we've seen it with AJ Brown, Traylon Burks, now, you know Drake London. Now the, the philosophy of the front office might be slightly different in terms of what they want to do with the wide receiver room, especially with the way that it shifts. Uh, for that reason, like I like Drake London in the immediate future, and I would be trying to acquire him to an extent, but if he costs more than what he costs before the draft, I don't see a reason to go out and acquire him because 2024, by the time he's relevant, it's going to be 2024, and those that wide receiver room is just sick nasty. So I'd much rather have... A uh, you know an asset in the 2024 draft with that wide receiver room, then have Drake London who has to compete with Kyle Pitts in an offense that will not pass. They will not pass regardless of if they bring in a quarterback or not. Uh, meanwhile, I do think that Marcus Marriott is out. I don't think that there would be any chance that Desmond Rinder is starting because uh, Arthur Smith is playing for his job at this point. He's coaching for his job. Mm. So uh, I think they have to bring in a quarterback who can run this offense the correct way. I could even see Tannehill landing there to be honest.
0: Oh, we're just continuing connecting dots and correlating Atlanta and it's and the Tennessee. same
1: offense. And Arthur love Tannehill. He loves Tannehill. I it. know.
0: Yeah, I, no, I can see that. And I think I think what Herb said is right. I I really do when it comes to yeah, it really didn't look like the future, but you're right, people pine. For their picks that they drafted to get the opportunity, yeah, Jacob was got, so
1: hard for it, you know. Oh, in the game.
0: Yeah, he was. He, look, Jacob, uh, he wasn't, good. Anderson, <laughs> he wasn't uh, good
1: at any point in the game, was he good?
0: Well, I'll say, let me ask you this as a final question about Desmond because I think we're all on the same page. I think that we're happy to see what he can do given what you paid for him, and if he has a good game, move him. I think that that's the general consensus here. And uh, same with Drake London, hopefully, this, this does create a buying window if he stays bad. Um, sure, I agree with both of those statements. But let me ask you this, just for fun. I like to. Just, we'll just add this as a fun question. I have it written down here. Should this is a controversial one from Twitter? Should the Atlanta Falcons have started Desmond Ritter from day one to see what they have? In for the for the perspective of, uh, I saw the reaction. Herm's let, uh, for the pro- the prospect of either he's terrible and you have the number one overall draft pick, or was starting Marcus Mariota to try to win as many games and finish mediocre, actually the right move? Which way was, let's say, the right move? I'll start with Hern, because your reaction was beautiful.
2: Actual NFL teams do not just, like, open the gear thinking, you know what, guys, what if we didn't try yeah you know, like <laughs> we, like because even like the, so we even talk about it in dynasty sometimes you know like the whole like productive struggle thing you know what i mean yeah. like you put out a dummy like well, i hate using that word but you know just like like mario did it with be, josh rosen they did it with josh rosen yeah, in Arizona. Like, yeah like you, you put was, out was
1: steve keim <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like you're uh, Steve Wilkes Yeah, so, oh, Steve Wilkes I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Steve Wilkes. But like, you know, you, you put out the punching bag to kind of test the other things and then by the time you feel like you figured that other shit out, then you throw something interesting in there. You know what you I mean? are like, bad enough this year, we
1: need to get worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it's so like from that standpoint, like I I get what people are getting at when they say shit like that, but like it just doesn't usually work that way you know what i mean like in theory it makes a ton of sense in madden i'll tell you what if i draft a quarterback or something and i don't care i will absolutely do the thing so i can upgrade their badge so you you know but like i don't know that that's the same type of situation we have going on in real life so you know it's just again get where people are coming from but you kind of have to throw somebody to the wolves if you have that many things to figure out around them, and then you take that information and invest it in somebody younger.
1: Yeah, so there's a major thing that happens with the wide zone run scheme, and I think Marcus Merida was legitimately upset, right? Because with the wide zone run scheme, you end up uh, pulling a tackle, right? And they pretty much let the off guy end up blitzing on whatever opposite side you end up running on, right? So you end up shifting guys in the offensive line to block in zones and once you see a hole on a running play you end up jetting up that and then you run so often that you end up uh allowing for play action fakes and typically the play action fakes either you stay in the box and you end up getting hit as you release the ball because it's a quick slanting route or you try to bootleg right and no matter what happens that edge rusher is coming at you and the edge rusher either goes for the running back and completely passes you up Or you get decked by the edge rusher. And it is one of the most frustrating schemes for quarterbacks to run who don't have quick releases. Which, by the way, the Tennessee Titans, and the way they run their scheme, they don't have a guy like that, right? Outside of Traylon Burks, who runs that route every so often. And now the Atlanta Falcons. They want... Uh their the receivers to get open. They want Kyle Pitts to go get open. They want Drake London to get open down the field and beat these smaller guys off the line and end up winning jump balls. So when you end up having that, you have guys that take hits, and typically quarterbacks in these situations get injuries. We've seen it since the wide zone run scheme was established by uh by what's his name? Uh who had um what was the 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 deli guy that was dancing getting some cold cuts today, getting some cold cuts.
0: I have no idea what you're referring to. Icky
1: Woods. Icky Woods. Thank you very much. Icky Woods. There we go. So Icky Woods was like the first variation of this, right? And we saw his quarterback get hurt. He ended up running for like 1,800 yards or something insane like that in his first year in the league. Uh, And then he ended up getting hurt because the running backs get hurt too. And we've seen that, you know, from, from this offense and this scheme forever. Like players just get hurt, but it's very efficient for the offenses. Marcus Mariota was likely saying, hey, I don't want to keep running this offense. You guys are getting me killed. You guys got me killed in Tennessee, right? And he got frustrated. Mm -hmm. He probably got a promise that they wouldn't be running the same offense. But guess what? They don't have a good enough pass blocking line to be able to function like that. And they don't have the receivers to be able to function like that. So, I mean, Desmond Ritter might end up being a cog uh, next year in terms of like, hey, we're going to keep running this scheme. But it's very dangerous to invest in quarterbacks that are in these wide zone run schemes. Very few teams run it because they end up going through players like crazy. We see it because uh, with the 49ers because they do tend to run these schemes from time to time. They also run just a lot of zone blocking, but they also run about 25% of the runs are wide zone run schemes. You end up getting all of your players hurt by running these schemes. Uh, It's literally like science because you're playing with reckless abandonment. So anytime that there's a player in one of these schemes, I typically like to... Uh, fade those players in terms of like hey they're probably going to end up getting hurt derrick henry is a freak and it took him what two or three years to actually get to that point uh, he's the only player that i can think of that has actually That's succeeded for multiple years in the scheme demarco murray didn't even make it that long in the scheme he made it like a year or two
0: no i understand it took him two or three years and it's a shout out to demarco murray. i gotta shout yeah, out it, but demarco, DeMarco murray. murray
1: is only healthy for like a year in the scheme it's, like, it's a very dangerous scheme to run in the NFL, and there's there's stats out there that actually support that claim. It's just really reckless.
0: I love it. Phenomenal. We got through all of our questions. We got some listener questions in. We had a phenomenally great time. We've heard uh, potentially someone fall through a floor uh, on this episode. We've had Chase and I <laughs> I don't uh, know what that was. I'm interested to hear the details. I'll tell you that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to give our final thoughts and get the heck out of here. Sit tight. We have a Six second break. So sit tight. It is a quick one. Enjoy. You hey guys, at the end <laughs> at the end of every show, I like to ask everyone with their final thoughts. It does not have to be football related, but on this Tuesday evening, where everyone at the Full Tilt Pod Network has chosen to spend their times with us. Uh, I ask on to you your final thoughts from tonight. I'll start with you, Herms.
2: Uh I don't know. You kind of putting a bow on the the AJ Brown thing cuz we kind of just like brought it up a few times just because of like how egregious that whole situation was. <laughs> the, go, going back and finding that clip of Mike Vrabel's reaction when he found mm-hmm. out they traded him. It's everything you need to know, folks. It's everything you need to know. If you look at what's going on in the NFL right now with, you know, like some young quarterbacks really taking steps forward, a lot of it has to do with the fact that their teams provide them with these big alpha receivers to kind of help along with that. If they were really that invested in trying to develop Malik Willis or something like that, you probably should have kept AJ Brown around instead of giving him away to another young developing quarterback in Philadelphia. So just yeah. like, uh, shame on you, Tennessee, shame on you.
0: <laughs> Phenomenal chase your final thought.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping you didn't cover this in last week. I tried to send it to you in the the private chat, but um, make sure you hold your league mates accountable for sucking this year. Uh, You know, like, if your league mates sucked because they didn't set their roster, it's very hard to get last place in a fantasy league if you're still setting your rosters, right? Like, I mean, I I don't think I've ever finished last place in in a league before. I always set my rosters to make sure it's competitive. Mm -hmm. The people that don't set their rosters, no, no. bragging about not getting last place is not bragging okay i've lost (laughs) plenty of leagues i'm just saying like it's the flex, bro. the only way you're getting last place is if you don't set your rosters and if you don't participate in the league so if they want to continue to participate in league i fully support punishments yeah and so over trophy smack we've been putting together punishments over there on instagram like the worst punishments we've seen and and they're hilarious and the one i cannot relate uh i cannot wait to release tomorrow is this like you have to wear a dog collar (laughs) Oh, and anytime that that, that that so i have a couple different ideas this guy wore dog collar through a drive through which i think is like a trending thing where you try to order while we're in a dog collar that that shocks you um oh, shot collar oh my yeah shot collar so i think that it should be a thing where you have like the button in the middle and anytime you make a tarot pick or maybe every time that you end up making a pick that snakes somebody somebody can hit the the, the shot collar Ooh. maybe maybe it's allowed one person her you know, the winner. That's what it is.
0: The the winner gets to decide. I feel like yeah, whatever it is,
1: whatever it is. Like that's an immaculate punishment. I absolutely love that. You go over to Instagram uh, or smack on Instagram, you'll see some of the other ones we did. We did this one where this normal kid got spray tanned, and they said it was going to be for like a a photo shoot that they were going to do. Oh my god! They they did bringing him to the
0: bodybuilding
1: (laughs) to the bodybuilding contest, and they made him join the body. The funniest part about that is his legs are the same size as all the bodybuilders' legs.
0: Right. They skip they a leg sk- day.
1: We, we have a, a league where they, um it, it's the Chichos League, and it's actually local league, and it's been going on for 20 years now. And if you lose two years oh, in a row, you have to get a pizza with a very detailed dick tattooed on the pizza.
0: Oh, phenomenal.
1: Um, oh. Yeah, and that's tattooed wherever the, the person getting tattooed can choose where to put it. Oh, but no. after you lose, if you lose, again, uh, the following year, you're, you're out of the league. Um, we have other ones where you have to, I don't even need to go into like the other detailed Once it gets so brutal, I, we're talking Just go about check it out over there on Instagram.
0: dicks. I think that that, that that's the peak at punishment for us. I'll say this in the home league, you must wear a clown costume to a Winnipeg blue bombers game, which is in the Canadian football league. You are a full clown suit and must get on the jumbotron. If you do not make the jumbotron and make an ass of yourself, uh, you're picking up the tab of beers for that game. That's our punishment. Oh, that's and I so will, fun! Yeah, I will never lose in that league. I'll tell you that much, because my bank account can't handle it. Uh, yeah. Look, my Hold final your league thought- mates accountable.
1: Hold your league mates accountable.
0: You have to. Um, look, my final thoughts are always the same, and I, I, I'm i going to keep hammering it home because I feel like it is uh, continuously important. Remember that when you are playing this game, there are people on the other side of your screens. It is very easy to get into arguments. It is very easy to get back and forth, and it is very easy for some of those to get out of line. Remember, there are people on the other side. It's important to remember that. It's the holiday season. We won't see you uh, on the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast until after the holidays. Remember, the holidays are a great and loving time, but they can also be a very depressing time for people, and you may not know it. So chicken and your loved ones, it's always important, especially if they don't know or you don't know that they need it. You never know. Of course, this is the semifinals this weekend. You're going to want to enjoy it. Have a great time. Enjoy it with your friends, family. Don't ignore all your loved ones over Christmas. All right, keep the phone down a little bit or at least trying uh, try to hide it. Anyway, other than that, I want to remind everyone that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days. God damn, they're always been tilting. Good night, everybody.